Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 444. That is 444 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, September 14th, 2022, and Duke basketball has a full and complete regular season schedule. We are here to discuss it. Donald Wine here, your host for this episode. Sam is Parisian for a couple of days. He is on vacation, uh, so he couldn't join us. But I welcome back Jason Evans, who was crawled out from his temporary home at CNN International to be with us. Jason, how's it going over there? Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a busy time. <laughs> the, the the queen the queen died, and uh, my life has not been the same since then. Because, as folks know, I I write and produce for CNN International, and it's a big story. <laughs> the Queen dying is a big story. Just a little bit. I've been just a little bit. I've been very busy, very very busy. And in fact, I'm doing this podcast. I don't think I've ever done it this way before. I'm on my phone. Uh, I found a little spot that is somewhat quiet, um, n- sort of next to the CNN International newsroom, and I'm attempting to do the podcast from here. I don't have a computer in front of me. Usually, I do. It's uh, it, this is a different circumstance than usual, Donald. That's all I'll say. Yeah, for sure. And as as we were recording for people to get a frame of reference of when we're recording, uh, I'm literally watching the Queen's uh, procession to Westminster Abbey. That's been kind of, again, it's been the biggest story in the entire world over the last uh, week or so. So, uh, Jason, uh, and also, Jason, we know that you were also uh, renovating your house that has been completed. And you have you moved back in? I know you haven't seen it much, but have you moved back in yet? No, no, we we moved back in over the weekend. There's still a couple little things. The grill has to get connected. There are a couple little places that need touch-ups here and there. You know, there's there's one floorboard that needs to be replaced. But yeah, the uh, we we moved back in over the weekend. Um, the the worst the worst week of my year, at least so far, was packing up my entire ground floor and storing it away someplace. The second worst is bringing it back. <laughs> oh yeah. Been, no one likes moving, Jason. This is not, if if you like moving, uh, I would say email us at dbrpodcast@gmail.com, but don't because I, I don't know. I don't I don't, don't want to hear, hear your Yeah, we don't want to hear from you. It, moving's terrible. <laughs> so, we're glad you're back in your home even though you haven't really seen much of it over the last few days, but hopefully uh you will be able to see it very soon. But Jason, enough about homes, enough about England. We have a schedule for Duke basketball, so we are going yes, to spend Yes, we do. The bulk of our time discussing that we will also tap quickly into the rest of the ACC. But first, let's get into our schedule. And Jason, before I give it to you, just a couple of quick notes about our 2022-23 schedule before we get into all this, focusing mainly on the ACC portion, because that's the part that we really learned yesterday. John Shire's first ACC matchup will be at home. It will be against Boston College, and it comes early, December 3rd, as we opined a couple of months ago. When the non-conference schedule came out, we have that ACC game that is smack between games against Ohio State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge and the Jimmy V Classic against Iowa on December 6th. So we have that little that the little room that we said was carved out for an ACC game. Boy, did they just run right through that. So also, Duke has three ACC games in the month of December. It's been a while since we've been able to say that. Um, the two UNC games always circled on the calendar. The first one, Saturday, February 4th, that will be in Cameron. The game at the Dean Dome will be the final game of the regular season. That will be exactly one month later on March 4th. There's really only one full week break, and that's between the game at Clemson on January 14th and the home game against Miami on January 21st. Jason, if you recall, in previous last couple of years at least, we've had some 
kind of COVID breaks built into the calendar just in case. But that doesn't seem to be the case this time around. And finally, speaking of Miami, Duke has two periods on this calendar that contain those Saturday, Monday back-to-backs. Both involve Miami. The first one, we play at home against Miami on Saturday, January 21st, followed by a trip to Virginia Tech on Monday, January 23rd. And then finally, the second one, the home game against Carolina on September on February 4th, excuse me, followed up by the road trip to Miami on February 6th. So Jason, those are some of the nuggets, but I want to hear your thoughts about the schedule. You can take any of those nuggets if you will, or uh, I know you want to also discuss uh, eventually the tough portion of the schedule. So we could go there too. Yeah. So let me start. Let me start with this. I, I think that Duke got very few favors in the schedule and, and, you know, it's easy when it's your team to say, oh, they got all the, you know, oh, we got all the bad breaks and everyone else got all the good breaks. Uh, and, and I don't want to fall into that trap, but I want to point out that, that there, there, are, there are four teams expected to be at the top of the ACC, UNC, Duke, Virginia, and Miami. Uh, you won't find anyone who says uh, anyone other than those four. Then, you know, like Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are sort of, you know, in that next sort of group. And then then you get a little bit of a drop off to like the Florida State, Clemson, Syracuse kind of crowd. But Duke, UNC, Virginia and Miami are the four really tough games. And we play all three of those teams twice. We play Virginia twice. We play Miami twice. We play UNC twice. That's a bad break in the schedule. That's that's tough. And in fact, if you include Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, uh, you know, as the next two, we play all five of those teams on the road except for Notre Dame. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, Virginia. We don't play. We play Virginia only on the road. I, I, only I on the road, but, yeah. But my, my, I was looking mostly at these road games, and I was just like, I mean, for Duke, you know, for the five other best teams in the conference, with the exception of Notre Dame, we play all of them on the road, and you know, except for Notre Dame and Virginia, we play all of them twice. That's a that's a really tough schedule. And and you want to talk about that that brutal, brutal five game stretch at the start of February. We have UNC, then at Miami, then at Virginia, then we back home for Notre Dame, and then we're at Syracuse. That is a really tough five game stretch, especially the UNC at Miami at Virginia three game swath. And I can almost guarantee you that that road Miami game coming right after we play UNC for the first time, the emotion that will go into that UNC game. And then to have a Saturday to Monday turnaround to play at Miami and Miami's a super experienced team. They have a great backcourt. that's going to control the tempo and control the action in the game. I mean, look, no one knows what these teams can be like in February, but I'm already penciling that in as a loss. I, I just, you know, I can't see this Duke team, a young Duke team, some experienced guys, but, you know, a lot of young guys Tur- taking a Saturday-Monday turnaround against an experienced Miami team when the Saturday game was UNC and and finding a way to get up for that Miami game and and give Miami what they deserve because Miami's going to be a really great team. It, it's just going to be really, really hard for Duke to, to get that done. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on uh, – well, Donald, comment on that, and then we'll get to some other stuff. Yeah, no, I, I – you know, let's go to the UNC game first because I think, again, it's one of those Saturday-Monday – you know, back to backs as we call them. And, but the, the, the one thing about these back to backs, one, they involve Miami, which is going to be arguably the most experienced team in the conference. We're going to talk about them probably after the break somewhat, but also the fact that UNC, as you mentioned, an emotional game always 
Guys always give it their all. It's going to be in Cameron. But if you remember last year, we went to the Dean Dome. Obviously, there was a lot of other you know things that at work with it being Coach K's final season, but the emotions were still there. And then they came back and they fell flat and they lost to Virginia at home two days later. So yep. this is, again, it's not that we are, are penciling in as a loss, but like you have to be ready for that schedule. You have to be ready for the emotional up of the UNC and for there not to be a hangover that following Monday because you go to Miami, which has been traditionally a tough place for Duke to play. Virginia Tech, again, also on the back of a Saturday, Monday back-to-back. Virginia Tech, also a difficult place that for Duke to play. And I think the one thing about some of these teams that you mentioned, all the teams at the top of the ACC, we play them all on the road, and traditionally we don't play well when we're on the road at those particular teams. So that is going to be a very tough test for John Shire and this coaching staff, which again, even the coaching staff is young, right? John Shire's in his first year. Most of the, other than Carowell, other, all the other guys are with one or two years experience at Duke. So I think that is going to be, an interesting test on how they, as a coaching staff, get this young team ready to play. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Like I said, I, I think that Miami game is a loss. Um, you know, I don't know who's going to technically be favored in the game. Um, gamblers will probably put plenty of money on Duke, but but I would expect that Miami game, the one immediately following the UNC game with the quick turnaround, I would expect this team to lose that game. I, you know, I'm not going to predict that this team's going to go 40 and 0 or whatever, you know, whatever the magic number is to 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 have an undefeated season. And if I look down the schedule and try and say, okay, where are they probably going to lose games? That Miami game sticks out like a sore thumb in a big, big way. But you know, on on the other end of the spectrum, I think it is worth talking about easy games because that stuff matters. Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Louisville according to everything I read and what, what I can tell as well, look like the three worst teams in the league. And Duke plays each one of them only once. It's, you know, that's, that's, a bad, that's a bad break. And then the other side of that is that both Pitt and Louisville, who we only play once, we only play them at home. And it seems kind of crazy to say this, but I would rather play the bad teams on the road and the good teams at home. Because, you know, if we were going to Pitt and Louisville, if we, those were road games, we're still going to be expected to win and probably win fairly easily. Um, but by having those as home games, it, you know, like the ed- extra advantage we get playing at home, probably now, you know, don't want to be overconfident, but probably doesn't matter against a team like a Georgia Tech, a Pitt or a Louisville. And, and so, uh, you know, again, this is just part of what I think is a really difficult schedule for the Blue Devils. So I do want to make a correction on my part. There are three. Sunday, Monday, back-to-backs. The third one, actually, you just mentioned the Louisville game. That is on a Monday coming after that road game to Syracuse. But also, Jason, that has a little bit of an extra element to it because it'll be the return of Nolan Smith. Nolan Cameron. Smith. Yeah. So there'll be a little bit of emotion in that regard as well. Obviously, on Louisville's side, they're going to walk up into – they're going to have that game circled as a game that they want to win for their assistant coach. So uh, I, I think Louisville may be at the bottom, but again – as we've come to expect, we are going to see some slip-ups on the road. We are going to see some slip-ups against some teams that we should beat. And that's part of the growing pains of being a young college basketball team. And if you think about it, we took some of those lessons learned during the regular season last year and applied them in the NCAA tournament where there are going to be you know, games every two days and back-to-backs against tough teams, sometimes in hostile environments, sometimes, again, on the other side of the country or whatever. 
I think these are going to be some of those things where we might take some lumps, but those will maybe help us down the road for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I feel like looking at this schedule that um, the, this Duke team is going to look like a team that's struggling, uh, you know, relative to expectations um, for a fair bit of the season and probably all the way into that brutal February stretch. But it gets easier from there. And and I think this could be a team that, you know, as a result of those struggles and as a result of what I think is a very tough ACC schedule could be really primed to, to do well as they mature and as the schedule gets a little bit easier, um, you know, and as they enter the tournaments in March. Last thing I want to say on all this, Donald, um, the, the early games, the December games, you touched on this. So we've got that BC game um, coming, you know, sort of sandwiched between two other big non-conference games right at the beginning of December. And it's, it's worth noting that, you know, for a long time, BC has been the bottom of the ACC. They've been improving. And there are a lot of folks who think BC is, you know, going to be middle of the ACC pack this season. And, and BC may even be a team that's trying to find its way onto the bubble for the NCAA tournament this year. That wouldn't be shocking. So don't look at that December 3rd game against BC and go, oh, that's an easy start to the schedule. They, they, could, they could rise up and bite you. They really could, especially early in the year when when this young Duke team is still trying to figure it out, you know, get Dariq Whitehead, you know, back in the mix. Who knows? It's possible Dariq Whitehead may not even be there for that game. I think probably he will, but December 3rd, he might not be. And and then the other thing I wanted to note about the early games was we have our exam break. And then Wake is the first game. Wake on December 20th is the first game after the exam break. And then we immediately go into a Christmas break. And then Florida State on December 31st is right after the, the Christmas break. I would love, I would ordinarily love for the team to get some tune-up, you know, get one of those, you know, smaller conference teams somewhere in there so that you you have a game to remember what it's like. Because especially after the exam game the break, that wake game after the exam break, uh, the guys have been focusing on their schoolwork. I mean, I know it's sort of people joke and laugh about, but but at Duke, they're, they're legitimately going to I've, – I've seen it. You know, I've been on campus. Very few times do they practice together during those 10 days when they have breaks because, as you know, there's some guys that have exams, some guys that have reading periods, things like that, or papers. But, yeah, it's hard because even, you know, even when they had a shortened break, it, it was very clear when they came back that those guys were not practicing together for the for that stretch because of exams. Yeah, yeah, and and, and Wake – you know, Wake's a tough team to peg. I mean, last year, no one had them as a good team, and they ended up being pretty darn strong. So uh, <laughs> as I look up and down the schedule, I'm like, there's just not a lot where where I go, oh, the ACC schedule makers did Duke favors. There, there are very few favors here. Um, it's going to be a tough schedule. And 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 I say all this because I don't want folks to panic if, if things aren't going well at various points in the schedule, because I think that this Duke team will run into problems at various times. It's going to be a real challenge, by the way, for John Shire in his first season at the helm. I am betting he is going to be hanging out upstairs at Coach K's office and getting advice from the man uh, a, a good bit during this ACC schedule. I think if there, to end this part, if there is uh, some saving grace, if you will, with the schedule, I think it comes in the back half of the schedule. After that game at Virginia on February 11th, Duke only leaves the state of North Carolina one more time until the start of the NCAA tournament. That is that road game at Syracuse on the 18th. Again, they have Notre Dame at home, Louisville at home, Virginia Tech at home, NC State at home, and then at UNC. And then the ACC tournament is in Greensboro. So if they can make it to that portion of the schedule, 
hopefully that will get them if they can establish a rhythm, which we saw at the end of last year where those guys were able to practice together. They had, you know, there was a lot of continuity and they were able to put some things together, even if it wasn't completely all together, but they were able to have moments where they as a team played their best basketball as they enter the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And it's good for confidence. I mean, with a young team, you always want them to feel like they're doing well and feel like they're on a roll and feel like they're confident. And I, I, you know, as we've been saying, I feel like after we get through that stretch at the start of February, there, there's some nice runway, so to speak, for this Duke team to start to take off. And, and Donald, this is a, a little tease ahead, so to speak, to, uh, to what we're going to be talking about next. Um, I feel like Duke's other main rival at the top of the ACC, UN, UNC, Carolina, their toughest stretch of the season is the very, very end. They have got a really tough road coming home. You know, Duke could be a couple games, a game or two back of UNC, you know, in the final few games of the ACC regular season. And we could absolutely flip that script very quickly because Carolina has a brutal stretch at the very end of their schedule that we're going to talk about after the break, right, man? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's enough on the Duke schedule. Again, continue to follow everything on the forums. I know we're going to be talking about it basically until Countdown to Craziness begins on October 21st, but we'll leave it here for a quick break. Next up, as Jason mentioned, the rest of the ACC, all the schedule notes we have with all the rest of the 15 teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So stick around and let's find out who has got the best schedules. All right, we are back, and we are going to get into the rest of the ACC. Some teams, notably, have some interesting schedules. And, Jason, there's a lot we can talk about. Obviously, there's 14 other teams we can talk about. But I want to begin with my other alma mater, Miami. Uh, They have an interesting schedule. What stands out to you about that as they bring back, as again, as I said, arguably the most experienced team in the conference? Yeah, Miami, Virginia, Notre Dame. These are the teams that uh, that appear to be super experienced, playing nothing but juniors and seniors for the most part, or you know, really, really talented younger guys. I I love Miami schedule. I, I mentioned that I feel like UNC, Duke, Virginia, and Miami are the top teams in the conference. I, I look specifically at those four teams and their schedules to try and see who had the easiest schedule. And to me, it's Miami. Um, first of all, they they only play Virginia and UNC once each. So you always want to look at, you know, how many times you play in those other super tough teams. They only have Virginia once. They only have UNC once. They have Duke twice. But um, but that's a break for Miami. And then the other thing is I always look at, you know, hey, where where are those where those games that are a break? Where are those games that are easy where you can go to? Okay, we're going to win this game, even if we aren't sort of super on our game. Well, I I talked about Louisville and Pitt, Georgia Tech being the other one, but, but Louisville and Pitt being perhaps the two worst teams in the conference. Miami gets both of them twice. That's that's a huge think about the fact that like Duke doesn't get Louisville and Pitt twice. So they only get two games as opposed to four games against them. And Miami only plays Virginia and UNC once. That's giving Miami four wins and taking away two potential losses. So, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to win this conference. But if you tell me that it's going to be really, really tight and it may come down to who has the more favorable schedule, I'm picking Miami. Yeah. And again, I think. Some of the you know back-to-backs that they have, the Saturday, Monday back-to-backs they have, I think are fairly easy on their part where they don't have to go somewhere for like in the instance they do host Duke. 
uh, in one of them. And then they have one where there's NC State and I believe Syracuse, um, I think both at home. So they have some interesting and the thing about them is Jim Laranega is always great about getting the most out of players, right? Like he gets a lot of players off the transfer portal. This year is going to be no exception, but also with that experience, he, like with the guys who have stuck around the program, he's able to kind of, you know, generate some momentum with them. They may not be good as uh, freshmen and sophomores, but as juniors and seniors, they're established in the system and they're able to hit the ground running. So, I, I mean, it's very possible that Miami could start off, you know, out the gates pretty open, pretty, you know, going because their schedule kind of sets up for them to have a nice run to enter ACC play. It's that middle half for them because as they get mentally drained and exhausted, whichever team does, that's where Miami usually starts to falter. That'll be the question this year. Again, the experience is where they think that they will be able to overcome that. But, you know, it, it it all depends on how mentally focused that they are in that middle of the season. And against, you know, when they do have to play those teams that are considered in the top of the conference, do they bring their A game against those teams or will they be too mentally exhausted to do so? Hey, so I, I want to move on. There's a team in the middle of the pack. I, I'm going to tell you something right now. When we hit mid-January, you're going to look at the ACC standings and everyone's going to go, oh, wow. I didn't expect Clemson to be one of the best teams in the conference, but you're going to think they are. Clemson's schedule, oh, my God. I would kill for Clemson's schedule. So I mentioned who the top teams in the conference are, Duke, UNC, Miami, Virginia, Notre Dame, you know, Virginia Tech among them. Clemson only plays Duke, UNC, Miami, Virginia, and Notre Dame once. How did, <laughs> Who did they bribe to get that schedule? Again, the, arguably – the top five teams in the conference, they don't have a single one of those teams twice. What's more, they get two games each with Louisville and Georgia Tech, two of the bottom teams in the conference. And like I was saying, here's how Clemson starts out their conference schedule. Here are their first six games. You ready for it? Wake, NC State, and Louisville at home, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Pittsburgh on the road. I will be shocked. Clemson's a decent team. They're an experienced team. I'll be shocked. If Clemson is not like five and one or maybe even six and oh, when they come to Duke, I'm sorry, when Duke goes to Little John, we play them at, at you know, our only game with them is, is at Little John. We, we go to Little John on January 14th. Clemson's probably going to be five and one in the ACC, maybe six and oh, when we go to Little John on January 14th. It's going to be a huge game. Clemson's going to be all geeked up. They'll probably be ranked. Um, this is going to be, a huge moment for them. And I just, I, I looked at those other schedules of the other teams sort of in the middle and I'm like, no one, no one gets a schedule like Clemson. Now the one little, little thing worth mentioning about Clemson, usually we're used to Clemson, like playing nine or 10 absolute joke non-conference games. Like their non-conference schedules, usually among the worst in the country. They, they, they tuned it up a bit this year. So it's not like they're going to be undefeated <laughs> on the 14th. Their non-conference schedule includes Iowa, um, Cal, or TCU. They'll have one of those two in, in one of the tournaments that they're in. They've got Penn State. They've got Loyola Chicago, one of the best mid-majors. Um, they've got South Carolina with G.G. Jackson, a, a superstar recruit. And, and they've got Richmond, who's a, a ver another very good mid-major. That's probably – I think all those teams are probably top 100 teams, and that's six top 100 opponents. They've learned their lesson in their non-conference schedule. That, that's, that's pretty good. So – at least they're not ducking anybody. So I have a question for you as we move on. I know we're going to talk about UNC in a second, but I want to stick with the middle part of the ACC. You mentioned 
before the break that BC is one of those teams that could surprise people and kind of move up. Clemson, you think, could be middle of the pack towards the top of the pack, you know, right around the middle of the season. That not everyone can be in the middle of the pack, Jason. There, there's 14, there's 15 teams in the ACC, and 14 of them can't be middle of the pack. Who do you think is going to regress a little bit in 2022, 2023? Oh, wow. So I didn't look at the schedules to see who had it from the middle of the pack, see who has the really hard schedule. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not equipped necessarily to answer that one for you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because again, if, if someone's going to move up, someone's going to have to take a step back. And when I look at, you know, and again, I haven't really consulted their schedules, but when you're looking at the teams, I, I take out Syracuse because Syracuse always talks about being in the top half of the ACC. They always end up like seven, eight, nine, or 10. That's just where they go. Like they may be, you know, six, but for all intents and purposes, you kind of can ink them in into that middle of the pack because they always seem to find themselves there, at least over the last few years. Florida State, they may take a step back, but yeah, where do you go when you're at the top, right? There's nowhere to go but down. So uh, do they take a step back maybe to four, five, six, possibly? Um, or again, they could still be, you know, Leonard Hamilton. He's, you know, you know, shout out to him. He's the one of the GOAT coaches that we consider on the pod so he could have this team ready to go and be at the top so it's going to be interesting to see i look at nc state though nc state has you know just based on the miami schedule based on the duke schedule they play a lot of tough teams and they play them often and i think when it comes to nc state they may be the team that kind of takes a slight step back and this is a very important year for kevin keats and that staff to really show that nc state can compete with not just duke and unc but the rest of the acc so now I switch to UNC. Jason, you wanted to talk about them. The back half of their schedule really is going to put Hubert Davis and that team on the brink. Tell us about it. Yeah, I wanted to mention their final five games. And this is a this is a really tough stretch. It starts with at NC State. Now, look, you just mentioned, I don't think NC State's going to be um, a particularly impressive team this year. But when you play at a big rival. It's always a tough game. So at NC State, then at Notre Dame, and I think Notre Dame is going to be very good. Then they have Virginia at home. Virginia's always, always difficult. And I think Virginia's going to be very, very good this year. Super experienced Virginia team. They bring everyone back. Then they play at Florida State. And, and you know, Florida State's size, they, they always play, when they have a big opponent in their house, Florida State's always good. And then Carolina closes with Duke. So that's three road games at NC State, at Notre Dame, at Florida State. And there are two home games that they have in there are Virginia and Duke. That's going to be a tough stretch for UNC. And a lot of UNC's advantage over teams is that Carolina is going to be very experienced. They already know what they're doing. You know, these guys have played together for years. Well, by the end of the season, when they play these games, that advantage starts to to melt away. Teams are more experienced late in the season <clears throat> than they are at the beginning of the year. So Carolina's experience advantage starts to, to fade. So that's, I was talking earlier, you know, if if there's a team, whether it's Miami, whether it's Virginia, whether it's Duke, that that sort of, you know, is is chasing UNC and is going to catch them, they're going to catch them because that, that really difficult ending stretch for the Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah, for UNC, and, you know, again, they have, they have some experience back. Um, they have some new guys in the mix. But it's really about how they come together. And as we saw last year, they put it together during the NCAA tournament, obviously. But before that, it was a question of which UNC team will show up. And I think this year, 
they have to answer those questions early on, right? They they have a they usually have a pretty decent non-conference schedule, but they have to answer the question of who like what UNC team is going to show up because if they end up with five, six, seven losses in the ACC, they are exacerbated by the fact that they have that murderer's row to end the season, whereas teams like Duke might have it a little bit in the middle of the season. So UNC yeah, and, and, and I, Donald, I do think this is going to be one of those years. I think the ACC has got a little more depth than it's had in the past. I think that I'm I'm not sure that, you know, like UNC and Duke are that much better than everybody else. I mean, there's some years where there's a team that's pretty dominant. I, I would bet that the ACC winner this year has at least four losses, maybe five, maybe even six. Um, so you can take a couple losses and it's not, doesn't put you out of the running, but, but I think the conference is going to be a little bit more tightly packed at the top, maybe than it has been lately. So Jason, that actually, and we didn't prep this ladies and gentlemen, but this brings up a question that I have based on that. If you think that the ACC winner is going to have four or five losses, right? We've talked about how the ACC stacks up to the rest of the conferences in college basketball, namely the big 10, because that's what everyone kind of. You know that's kind of the benchmark over the last few years, at least as far as NCAA dude, dude, goes. the Big Twelve, the, the Big Twelve as the well. Big yes. 12, big... Well, by the way, the Big Twelve this year, there may not be a single team in the Big Twelve that isn't top fifty in the country. I'm not saying everyone's going to make the NCAA tournament, but the the Big Twelve, no conference has depth like the Big Twelve does this year. Yeah. So how does that stack up, right? Like, do we need to have a team like for the ACC to be viewed as a stronger conference than they were last year? Do they need to have a team that has only two losses, three losses? Do they need to have a couple of teams going at it? Or can you can you use the middle of the pack to kind of, you know, show that the ACC has depth and that every single game, as they say in the SEC, every week is a top 10 battle between two conference opponents? Well, essentially, the question you're asking is, is it better for the conference to have like only four or five teams in the tournament, but have two teams that are top two seeds, for example? Or is it better for the conference to have eight or nine teams in the tournament and not have any team that's higher than a two or a three seed, you know, that has, you know, a bunch of teams that are like three, four, five, six seeds? I'm not sure in terms of national reputation. I kind of feel like having more teams is a little better for the conference. On the other hand, having top teams means you go deeper in the tournament and, and look, you know, like last year, the ACC put two teams in the final four. When you're able to do that as a conference, people get, yeah. And, and by the way, Miami, ACC had three teams in the final eight. Um, when you're able to do that kind of thing, people go, wow, you know, that's really impressive. So I, I'm not sure. I, I think the ACC this year is probably going to be a little more depth. Like I haven't really looked at it that hard or thought that much about it yet. I, I'm betting the ACC is probably, looking at seven, maybe eight bids this year to the NCAA tournament. I think it's probably a number like that. And, but at the same time, I, I just suspect, I think there's the, the ACC's, you know, being a little more tougher in the middle. I think that you may see, you know, Duke, UNC, Virginia, Miami, the teams at the top may not be right in there to get number one seeds. You know, they may be more looking like number two seeds, but I, I think that those, you may see a bunch of those teams getting like two and three seats. Yeah, and I think when it comes to ACC in general, right, there's two things you got to look out for, right? One, how each team does in their non-conference schedule. Again, we have some big-time matchups in the non-conference schedule 
outside of what I'm about to talk about. But I, I think, and by the way, Don, Don, before you get to the other thing, that that cannot be understated mm-hmm. because we last year the ACC just absolutely took it on the chin in the non-conference. Tons of losses. Virginia had losses to teams that just had no terrible teams against to. terrible teams. Yeah, yeah and I, I, UNC. There there are a bunch of them, and as a result, everyone thought the conference sucks. And mm-hmm. so by the time these teams found themselves later in the year, they made real noise in the NCAA tournament. You know, you had teams like Carolina and Miami who were not expected to be, you know, really good teams. And, and it, 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 yeah, UNC made the Final Four. Miami made it all the way to Kansas. The ACC showed out in the NCAA tournament. I, I'd love to see the conference show out a little bit in the non-conference schedule so that people realize this is a good league versus – thinking thinking the league sucks and it's not until the end of the season that we're able to prove anything right and it's not like you know again duke had you know victories over gonzaga they had victory in the in the uh champions classic but it was overshadowed as a conference by like you know teams moving to like maryland eastern shore and things like that so we got to shore that up we got to make sure that the acc as a whole does very well in the non-conference but i also think about the acc big 10 challenge the ACC Big Ten Challenge is very is going to be very important, especially over these next two years. We don't know the future of this challenge because of the fact that in 2024, or I'm sorry, 2023, you know, the new Big Ten deal kicks in and they leave ESPN. So, and this is basically an ESPN generated challenge. So what happens to this? I know the ACC, if this could be the final year of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, at least in its present format, I know the ACC wants to go out on top and they want to sh- make a showing because, again, if they beat the Big Ten, then people kind of go, oh, wow, the ACC is a lot more loaded than we thought they were because they're going against what mo- most people pre- predict to be the best conference college basketball. So uh, I'm really, really excited to see that um, uh, up and down the board, how the conference fares with that. But, Jason, I know you have one more thing. Yeah. Last word on all this stuff. And this is just a little tiny note. And and I want to I want to be clear about something. Um, In my life, I have been forced to make schedules. I I used to be actually the scheduling director for a youth baseball league. It is it is really difficult. It is not easy to do to put together a schedule. So, you know, hat tip to the ACC scheduling folks who, who do this stuff. I think they probably use computers and stuff like that. They don't do it by hand the way I did. Oh, my God. Just nightmare. But I did want to point out. I wish they could figure out a way to fix a little pet peeve I have about the schedule, which is when you play a team once, you know, there are some teams you play once, some teams you play twice. When you play a team only once and it's your first game of the conference schedule, I hate that. Like UNC and Virginia Tech play each other on December 4th. First game of the conference schedule. UNC and Virginia Tech. This uh, this could be an important game. I mean, Virginia Tech's one of those teams hoping to rise up from the top of the middle and UNC's the top of the top. They play each other only once on December 4th. They don't play each other again the entire season. Like, they're, they're, these two ACC teams will not meet again unless they play in the ACC tournament in, in mid-March. It just seems crazy to me that you're in the same conference with someone and you're going to play them in early December and then not play them again the entire conference season. And then the other thing that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that is, like, Duke and BC. We play BC in early December. Our second game with BC is very early in the ACC schedule. We play BC twice. Very early in January. Play. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Duke's ACC schedule after five games is going to be almost half the schedule is BC. Um, I And again, I know the schedule is really tough to put together. There are a million moving parts here, but I wish they could figure out a way 
to just tweak those little things. If you're going to play a team twice, maybe don't play them like twice in the first three weeks of the season and, and it, and, and have a team that you're going to play twice as your very first game so that you get to play them again a little later on when maybe your teams are a little different and a little more mature. Yeah. And I think when it comes to the BC one, like it's obviously there's a reason for that, at least on Duke's side It's because we play UNC twice one in early February, one at the beginning of March. And so you have to have some team kind of balance that. And I always look to see which team that is in any given year. This year is Boston College. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. If you're going to play a team once, don't have the beginning of the season where then they look back. And again, as you say, it could be, you know, when you're talking about tournaments and they start comparing resumes, they go, oh yeah, they beat Virginia back in, you know, Virginia Tech back in December. And they kind of treat it like it's a non-conference game because of how early it was and the fact that they don't see it again. So, uh, but again, they're they're, they're balancing a lot of things. They're balancing the women's basketball schedule. You know, a lot of these teams share uh, arenas. So that's obviously a very difficult thing. But uh, again, hats off to the ACC. We we love this time of year because we get to see how the schedule shapes out. And hopefully, you know, we pencil in, hey, we should go 40-0. We should win every game. But then there's obviously going to be some falters along the way. And I know we'll see how this shapes up. But that will do it for episode 444 of the DVR podcast. We will likely be back sometime over the weekend to recap Duke football. Best of luck to them this weekend against the Aggies of North Carolina A&T. Wallace Wade is sold out for that stadium. Love to see that. So pack the stadium, ladies and gentlemen. It's Employee Appreciation Night. Show Duke games to love. As always, we love hearing from our listeners. Hit us up, dbrpodcast at gmail.com with your questions, comments, or topics. So for Jason Evans, live from CNN, for Sam Klein in Paris, I am Donald Wine. We will check you later. Duke Band, take us home.